Welcome, Nexus Church family, online to our series we've titled Infinitely More. Now, over the course of this seven weeks, we have been taking a look at a very powerful passage where we get this title from. That is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And I will read it for you, and then we'll get into today's message. Paul writes in this passage, Now all glory to God, here it is, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And so throughout this series, we're going to discover God's ultimate plan for you and for me and how that comes through the Spirit-filled life. And, And my hope and my prayer for you is that you not only encounter the power of God in your life, but that you allow it to use you to do infinitely more than what you could ever imagine because God has chosen you to spread His good news that Jesus came to change the world, to give us access to the Father. And so we hope that this encourages you in the next few weeks as we gather together. If you want more information about our church, Nexus Church, here in Thief River Falls, you can go online to nexuschurchmn.com or you can go to our Facebook page, Nexus Church MN, and search for us there. We are praying for you that God continues to work mightily in you. Enjoy today's message. Here we are, week one in this series we've titled Infinitely More. Now, it all begins somewhere. Like, we have to, in order to get to this infinitely more lifestyle that we want to have as followers of Christ, it has to begin somewhere. And so today, we're going to go all the way back and and examine what God's plan has been from the beginning of our existence before we ever honestly were in existence God was and he had plans to create a a race if you will or a a being i guess would be a better term that he could find his glory in and through and so he created us in his image to to worship him, to, to have this communion with him, this, this, this fellowship, this time together to, to find pleasure in one another. And that was God's ultimate plan for us, right? And so today we're going to take a look and understand that God always starts with an end in mind. He has an idea because he's all-powerful and all-knowing and it always is in existence and, and he is this powerful being that always has a purpose, for everything. But clearly, we can only comprehend so much. You see, as we heard in our passage today, and I want to just read it for you again. It says, through his mighty power at work within us, he wants to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. 
You see, since the beginning of time, that is God's intent. But as we all know, life, life kind of gets messed up, doesn't it? You see, we have this intent, and God has an intent, but when he creates a being or, or an a entity or whatever you might want to call this, this human race that we are, he gave us free will. And though he has an ultimate desire, he gives us the option to choose. You see, we understand that dilemma, right? We like schedules. We like plans. We, we like to create meals in their plans. We like to strategize. We like to budget. We like to make a, a year goal. We have all sorts of things that, that make our world what we would intend it to be. And God has that same thought, that same desire. He has an ultimate goal just like we do like God, we experience setbacks to our plans and our goals. We all have had maybe a, a child lose a shoe on the way to school, and <laughs> you're looking for a school or for a shoe, and, and school is like five minutes away, and you're already five minutes away from the school bell ringing, and you know if you just get there now, you'll get there just in time, but then they lose their shoe, and well you're late. We all understand how it means to, to be going somewhere on a trip, and maybe, maybe it's to work, and you have, again, a short amount of time to get there, and you jump in the car, you turn on the key, and you realize that's not going to make it on time. I don't have enough gas. Or you, you're stuck in traffic, and you have a detour, and what should have normally taken you a half hour now takes you 45 minutes. I'll never forget the time when we were just cruising along in the middle of no man's land. And all of a sudden there's barricades up and we're like, ah, there was no detour signs out anywhere. We had no idea what was going on. And all of a sudden we have cops passing us to go down a road I've never been down before in the middle of nowhere, like the middle of nowhere. And so we go traveling along and we have no idea where we're supposed to go. We get out the, thankfully, we had good enough internet service where we could see where do we go next because we had no idea. And so we would, what makes usually a, a 10-minute drive from point A to point B turned out to be 40 minutes. And we find out later there was a car accident, which we had no idea for sure if it was a car accident up there or what was going on, but we knew there was cops. And so we have plans. We have thoughts, and so often life gets disrupted. And that's exactly what we read of in the Bible. God had a plan to be with His people. Right? We go back to the book of Genesis, and, and we read how, how God created Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden to, to maintain it, to enjoy it, to be in His presence. Right? They, they walked with Him, and they talked to them. They had this, this intimate relationship with Him where it was perfection. But then, one small, selfish act changed everything. Sin was birthed, and that perfect plan was no more. It was 
absolutely blown up. See, God understands. But yet God had a plan. Before Adam and Eve ever sinned, ever messed up, God had a plan in play. And we know this because in Genesis 3.15, we read, now this is, is God speaking to Eve, and I'm sure Adam was right there with her. But he, this is what we would call a prophecy. He was projecting what would happen in the future with his son. And so this was projecting what would happen on the cross when the enemy filled the people and, and, and created this, 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 this despise for Jesus. And then, and then the enemy got them so fired up that they put him on the cross and the enemy thought he had won. But of course, three days later, we know that wasn't the case. And so, so we read Genesis 3.15, and this is what it's talking about, right? And so it, it says, and I will put enmity, right? This is, this is God speaking between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Of course, this is God speaking to the serpent who is the devil, Right? And so, so the father was speaking this over what would happen in the future. It's so powerful. You see, God had a plan ready. The enemy thought that he had won on that horrible Friday that we call Good Friday. He thought he had won, but God knew from before he ever even created Adam and Eve, that this was what was going to have to happen in order for him to have relationship ultimately with his creation, his prized possession, his made in his image creation. That's you and I. God had a plan. God had a plan. See, the cross wasn't some knee-jerk reaction to sin. This wasn't a, oh my gosh, everything that I had planned is not working out here. No, no, this, this was a rescue that God had set up. And only he understands the whole span of history and how it culminated to that point 2,000 years ago and, and why it's culminating to the point of when he returns again to bring us all to heaven with him. You see, God's plan throughout history leads us to the cross. God's plan leads us to the cross. We see this throughout the Old Testament. Let's, let me give you three examples for you to chew on. And then maybe, maybe if you want to go back and just read through the Old Testament and just see how much points to the cross, how much God was speaking through events thousands of years before Jesus ever came, that, that this was pointing to what he ultimately wanted to do. Right? We have the, the account of Noah in the ark in Genesis 7. Right? right? God provides salvation from sin. See, see, God looked upon the earth and he had enough, right? He had enough of all the debauchery 
debauchery that was in it, the, the evil that was in it. And he said, enough, I'm going to flood the earth and wipe it all out. But God saw Noah, and he remembered why he created mankind, that he was made in the image of God, and that he had this desire to have a relationship with him. And so he sent the ark as the forerunner of what he was going to do on the cross, a provision of salvation. Hmm. And then we have Abraham, right? Oh, Abraham, what an amazing example. This is in Genesis chapter 22, right? Will you sacrifice your son, your only son, the son that I prophesied, that I predicted would be the heir in, in his his generations after him would be my chosen nation. He was the chosen child. Jesus was the chosen child that he willingly sacrificed. What a beautiful parallel. And then we have the story of Passover itself. The, the day right before when, when Jesus was hung on the cross on Good Friday, the next day was Passover, the day of celebration of what? Of Israel being freed from slavery. Jesus was that sacrificial lamb, that, that, that Israel, when the Passover came and God took all the firstborn, that he, when he saw the lamb's blood over the doorpost, he'd pass over it and spare the child because that was one of his children. Jesus was the Passover lamb. And when, when we come underneath his salvation when we say i believe jesus you take away sins there's no other way to the father when we say that we are under the blood of jesus and we get access to the father not only on earth but in heaven for all of eternity what a beautiful depiction of jesus and that runs throughout the old testament we see that God laying away for what his plan was. Though we continuously mess it up as humans, God continues to remind us, this is my plan, this is my plan, this is what I'm going to do, and then he does it. And now we get the benefit of falling after and seeing it all picture perfectly. God's plan is always to lead us to the cross. We read this. In the very last prophecy that we have in the Bible of Jesus coming, it's in the New Testament. It's John the Baptist, the last prophet that was proclaiming the Son of Man. The Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming. We see that all in the Old Testament. And then John the Baptist was the one who prophesied it and got to see it happen. Listen to this powerful encounter of, of John the Baptist with Jesus when he got to see them. This is found in John chapter 1, verses 29 and 34. And we read, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, 
He told me, the one whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Remember, they were relatives. John knew him his whole life. (laughs) And he had no idea that he was the Messiah until the Father told him, this is the one who will be the Messiah when you see the dove descending upon him. He is the one. And I can't imagine what John was thinking when he's like, that's my, that's my cousin. He's the one. What? Wow. See, that's God's ultimate plan over and over again. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one. He is the one. It follows up what Romans 5, 8 through 11 says. This is Paul writing to the Romans who are, who are in a heap of persecution, right? He, he writes, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Man, God. His plan was for the cross to lead us to a relationship with the Father. It is restored, as this text says. Our relationship with God is restored because of the cross. God's plan has always been to lead us to the cross for you, for me. But today I want to tell you that not only does God want to lead you to the cross where you can receive forgiveness, there's so much more. There's so much more because if all it was was just salvation, he would save you and take you up to heaven. It would be the end. But God wants to do something through the cross as well. You see, God's plan leads us to the cross and through the cross. Listen to 1 John 1, and 34 says, I didn't know he was the one, John said, but when God sent me to baptize water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, Jesus provides a way to have us restored with the Father, but he also baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, we would read at the end of John when he's starting to prepare his disciples for for his departure to be back with the Father and and ultimately to his death on the cross and his resurrection. You see, he was preparing in those last days by telling them, "Uh, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. And you're going to be mourning. You're going to be sad. All this is going to be happening. You're going to be confused. You're going to be like, are they coming for me next? There's going to be so much going on. But let me tell you, friends, it is good that I go. Why? so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And when he goes to be with the Father, right as he is departing, he looks over his disciples in Acts 1.8. What does he say? You wait. 
you be prepared because in just a short while, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you will receive power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. That means wherever you go, you are empowered to change the world. The Spirit empowers you. The, God's plan isn't to just save you, it's to empower you, to lead you through the cross. To lead you through the cross. <clears throat> you see, his plan is to empower you to accomplish infinitely more than you could ever imagine. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 3.20. I can't tell you how much this hits home for me. And maybe some of you listening have your own story. And man, I would absolutely love to hear it over the, the next, next seven weeks as we go through this. I want to be sharing stories. I want people to hear the amazing things that God is doing in lives. Because it encourages us. Right? It helps us to want to press in. This world is so full of negativity. I want some powerful stories that are coming from the hearts of people who are part of our Nexus family and what God is doing. See, God is infinitely doing more than what you can imagine. And I want you to be processing it. I want you to be thinking, well, what have I experienced that shows God's infinite power that is beyond what I could ever imagine? You see, let me tell you my story, because my story is no different than, than anybody else's. Maybe it's more dramatic than yours, maybe it's less dramatic, but our stories are all similar. We came to the cross with nothing. We did nothing to deserve it. I deserved nothing, but God saved me. I was a teenager I grew up in a family that, that wasn't following Jesus at all. I didn't deserve to come to faith. If you would have looked at me as that, as that pre-saved person at 13 and early 14, when I was, when I was messing around and, and full of this world that is, is just evil, I, I, I wore a jean jacket to school in ninth grade that said, Hell on Wheels. It was passed down to me. Man, I was a hell on wheels. Every single word that came out of my mouth, I mean, maybe every third word was non-cuss word, but I swore like a madman. I was an angry individual. I hated everybody. I hated my family. I hated my brother. I hated people at school. I had just a, a very small group that I hung out with. And the best way that I could even explain them was we were misfit rednecks like we weren't even rednecks we were misfit like we didn't even fit in with the with the redneck crew we were misfit rednecks at best we were horrible people but yet god started working in my life and and he sent people that that doesn't really make sense. One, one was on my school bus, and, and he was, in essence, a misfit and really didn't fit in with anybody either, except he wasn't <laughs> want to be redneck like we were. And so he was just a person who went to church, and, and he was just nice. And there was another person in my life who sat next to me in German class. Now, this is a rather funny story because you wouldn't expect a whole lot from a person sitting next to you in German class. And a 
a graduating class of 481, like I knew a lot of people and a lot of people knew me and nobody really wanted anything to do with me. But this guy was just, he was just a, a different kind of guy. He was a follower of Christ, but he wasn't like all followers of Christ. He actually had a, a passion for reaching lost people. And I was one of them, right? And I don't know how he figured out that I liked racing. And I don't know how he figured out that, that I was into music. But, but he left a, a magazine on the desk. It was called HM Magazine. At one point, it was Heavenly Music or, or Hard Music. Whatever it was at that time was still HM. And on this HM front cover was a band by the name of Audio Adrenaline. Now, many people don't know Audio Adrenaline, or if you do know Audio Adrenaline today, Audio Adrenaline is a lot different than they were back in the day. They were a lot harder back when I was in high school in 10th grade. But on the front of this HM magazine, Audio Adrenaline was pictured with a, a drag car, which is a, a really fast car that goes straight down the road <laughs> on, a, on a very safe track. And they race, and within 10 seconds, you go from start line to finish line, and you have this picture end result where somebody wins. Usually it's by like .001. And when I saw that, I'm like, I know he's a Christian, and this is a Christian magazine, and what is this band doing next to a drag car? I thought only rednecks like myself were into those kinds of things. So I... I, I Ended up looking at this band and trying to figure out who they were. And I, I turned on, and, and here they did a cover of a classic rock song called Free Ride. And I'm like, this is really cool. Like, these guys are, uh, they're, they're my kind of guys, and they're Christians. And so that started working in my heart. And then over that summer, going into 10th grade, God was working in just weird ways. And this goes back, and I wish I had time to explain, but, but my mom had... had she went through a lot of stuff in marriage and personal life, and, and she was on this journey. And, and there was these Jehovah Witnesses that would, would come to our house throughout my childhood, and they would meet with her and kind of talk about her with personal things. And, and over time, she started questioning things and, and looking back into God. And, and though they never got her to go to her, their church, it, it turned the corner for her. And eventually they stopped coming when, when it was obvious that we weren't going to go to their church. And they're like, well, these guys aren't coming anywhere after five, six years of, of hanging out trying to get them to you know, go to their church. It finally got my mom to the point where she started watching online or at that time satellite system and there's a couple of individuals. One particular was Joyce Meyer. And it really impacted her and, and really started working in her life to get her back to faith. Now, bring me back up to speed. You're like, well, what does that have to do with you? <laughs> Glad you asked. Well, <laughs> you're on the other side of the screen, so you're not asking me. But what it did was as I got older and got more ornery, and it was very clear that if I'm not doing things, it's not going to be pretty. So she would always tell me every day when I was home during summer break, she's like, either you go outside and do something, or you're going to be cleaning inside. But you're not going to be doing nothing because it's not a good thing when, when Luke is not busy. And so she had me doing work either in the house or I was outside doing whatever I want. Well, eventually, I 
would get tired, and I would come in the house, and she would tell me, well, either you're going to clean or you can watch this program with me. And so I started watching Joyce Meyer and then a couple other guys that she would watch as well. But Joyce Meyer really just like, there was something about her in, in her just addressing those the anger and the frustrations that I dealt with and the bad attitudes that I had, and she just nailed me, and, and God changed my heart. And between that and then going into 10th grade, God working on me in that time, God opened me up and led me to the cross. A guy who should never have come to the cross. My guys, my, my misfit redneck friends didn't know what to do with me. But the moment I came to faith, and, I, and I, it took that summer, and it took some of that school year to really confirm all that. But man, once, once God changed me fully, I was a new man. Jesus led me to the cross, and I was on fire. And I was ready to do anything for him. And that's where that to the cross becomes through the cross. Because I wanted to do something for God, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how I could do anything for God because in, in the church that I was at, there, there was youth pastors, but they weren't necessarily career people. They had full-time jobs, and, and so that wasn't a thing. And pastors and, and missionaries were the other things. And, and, and I looked at that as, it's not going to happen. You see, when I get in front of people, I black out. I took speech class in 10th grade. I spoke on Jesus, and I started seeing stars. No joke, and I just about passed out. I'd start saying things that don't make sense. I was lost. So anytime I'd get up in front of people, even, even when I played baseball, I'd get up, and I would just get all knotted up, and I would, I would just I would lose control. See, I hadn't been given the gift of preaching or teaching. Remember what I said? See, God saves us. He leads us to the cross. But Jesus takes us further than that to do infinitely more by His Spirit we could ever imagine. See, the, the Holy Spirit filled me to do something that my misfit friends and I never in our wildest dreams imagined me doing. I never Never, ever thought of being a pastor, ever. That's the power of the cross. It changes not only your eternity, it changes your today. But it begins with the cross. You can't have the power of the cross unlock your today if you don't deal with your eternity and so today, if you haven't come to the cross and made Jesus your Savior, if you haven't come to him and said, there's no other way to heaven, it says that very clearly in the Bible, and the Father came, or the Father sent Jesus, and there's no other way to the Father, right? I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, Jesus said. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no other way. There's no other way. The Bible says we've all made mistakes. We all fall short. And that falling short creates separation between us and God for eternity. Right? The wages of sin, what we earn from sin is death. Separation from God for eternity. But Jesus provided the way so that we could come to the Father through the cross. 
And so if you haven't made that decision in your life, I absolutely encourage you today to do that. I'm going to say a prayer, and I just ask that you repeat after me. And after we say this prayer together, please message. Please message us, email us, whatever you're comfortable with, so that we can help you find a church in your area or help you connect to somebody who can help you so that you can have power through the cross, so that you can unlock what God has for you today. And so if you would, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. And I pray for these people now that as we pray this prayer, that you would speak to them. And so right now, right now, we will pray together. Repeat after me. Jesus, I admit, I have done things that keep me from you. I believe that you died so I could be with you forever. I ask that you forgive me for the wrong things I've done and help me to live for you. I give you my life. I want to be a follower. In Jesus' name, amen. you made that decision, please let us know. And for the rest of you that have already been saved, keep pressing in. I encourage every single one of you, if you don't have a church or don't have some kind of group to connect with, please reach out so that we can help you connect to a group where you can unlock this power. I believe wholeheartedly that if we want to live this infinitely more life, We need people around us to encourage us and strengthen us as we get filled, as we live for him. And again, if you have a story of what God has done for you that you would would like to encourage others with, we don't have to use your name. We don't have to take a video. We just want to share what God is doing so so that we can be encouraged and we can be reminded that God truly is doing infinitely more than we might ask or think. And so please share that with us and, and we would love to give that to others to encourage them. And we're praying for you and we're believing that God would do mighty things in your life today, this week, and beyond. We'll see you next time.